Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? Other than the snow again, right? That's kind of sad. But, oh. Oh. Yeah. 
They'll start handing sunglasses out at the door when you come in. Well, it's nice to be with y'all. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, if you want, we'll stand and pray and sing a song. Father, we love you. We're here for you this morning. Um, we do thank you for the sunshine and um, we're hopeful for the nice weather coming and just to get outside and enjoy your creation. Uh, we, uh, we're here for you this morning. We love you. Just uh, give this time to praise you and to hear your word and grow. Uh, we love you and we thank you for this place so we can all come together and do that. Uh, pray for Leonard today as he preaches. Um, pray for us as we hear your word. And um, just uh, lift up members of the body this morning that uh, need you. We all need you. Um, that are recovering and uh, just uh, pray for a great day this morning for your kingdom, God. Amen. All right, so this is a, a new song with not new words. Uh, it's, the verses are the Lord's Prayer, and the chorus um, and bridge is out of Revelation. So the chorus, um, singing holy, holy, God Almighty, who was and is to come, and the verses are the Lord's Prayer. So if you don't know the rhythm of it yet, it's pretty easy to learn, and we'll just sing together and praise God. daily bread and forgive us as we have forgiven and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from Amen. Amen. Yours is the kingdom. 
Yours is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. We're singing holy, holy God. Come, you are worthy of every glory forever. We're singing holy, holy, God Almighty, worthy Have a seat, everyone. You guys look so awake today. Do you need to, like, stand up and stretch and sort of, like, get recalibrated? Because I know I do. Uh, there's something about time changes that lead every pastor, I think, in the world to think it's a conspiracy against them because this is the day we got to get up early and we've got to get things going for you guys. So if I'm a little bit disoriented as a result of the time change, just please, please just show me some grace and mercy. Um, but before we get into uh, my role today, as far as preaching and that, that sort of thing is concerned, uh, we do want to find out, uh, first of all, uh, if there are any prayer needs or prayer concerns that we have that we want to share, that we want to keep lifted up. Um, I know that uh, we have friends online, too. Uh, that are joining us, and we hope that uh, if there's anything that we can pray about um, uh, from that standpoint or from uh, the space where you're in with us in spirit, uh, we can pray for you as well. Uh, so I want to lift up uh, Rob Coffey. Rob had his surgery this week. Uh, it went successfully. However, he's had some issues with AFib, uh, so we want to be praying about that, that they can get that sorted out and that he can he can regain his health and his strength and, uh, and, and his life back again because uh, uh, he's got work to do around here. Uh, so we gotta, we got to get him better. Um, so please keep uh, he and Karen lifted up, um, but also just um, uh, any others that we, we might have. I know Peg mentioned she has another chemo that she's got to go through here pretty soon. Uh, keep her lifted up as she uh, battles with that, uh, with, that with, with the ca bladder cancer. Um, and just anybody that uh, uh, we've been keeping lifted up lately, uh, you'll find them in, our, in, in the guide and in our, in our prayer concerns that we have listed. Um, anybody have anything today? Robin? 
okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, so pray for Robin's stepdad who passed away on Monday and your mother as well. Okay, Robin, we'll, we'll do that. Anyone else? Diane? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So for those of you who didn't catch that, uh, Diane Hostetler's daughter-in-law, Amy, who's um, blind but has recovered somewhat in her capacity and hopeful that something can work long-term towards her recovery of her sight. Uh, so some uh, hopeful signs, but obviously a long road to go. Okay. All right. Yeah, I wanted to mention uh, Joan Laura as well. Some of you may remember Joan, uh, who uh, was a member here for a very long time and just had a very cheerful disposition. And I called Joan one of FCC's adventurers because she was just always going off and doing stuff. Kind of like Grace Zimmerman, you know, just always. Grace is like, don't, don't look at me, don't pay attention to me. So uh, pray for uh, Joan's daughter, Susan. Um, there was a, a, a sort of a, uh, I guess, a miscommunication regarding the funeral. Uh, it, it was stated it was in the, at the Baptist church. It is not at the Baptist church. It's here at First Christian tomorrow at, um, I believe it's uh, calling hours are 9.30 to 10.30, and then the service is at 10.45, which is a little bit of an unusual time, but just keep that in mind if, uh, if you're uh, here for Joan. Uh, but please just be praying for her family. Okay. Let's go ahead and pray then, can we? Lord Jesus, as we gather in this moment and we think about uh, the people that are around us that are struggling, that you call us to keep lifted before your throne, we're thankful for being with Rob Coffey this week and for helping him through a time of... Um, uh, I, I think um, anxious expectation, but also uh, I know that it's a relief to be this side of the, of the bypass surgery with hopeful prospects. I just pray, Father, that you would cause the AFib to, to calm down and allow his body to recover.
and his strength to, to resume. And I pray that you be with Karen and those who are with him and surround him, the doctors and nurses, that you just give them the resources they need for this stage of his healing and recovery process. We thank you, Father, for being with Peg, and we pray that you continue to bless the healing process that's underway with her and that as your child, uh, you would work through these and through your mighty hand to make her whole. We thank you for the report that Diane mentioned regarding her daughter-in-law, Amy, and we just pray for total and complete healing with her vision and that you would just restore her health in that way that you'd be with Robin, uh, Robin's family as they grieve the passing of her stepfather and just help her mom through this time. We pray, Father, that you would be with uh, Joan Laura's family, that you'd be with Susan, especially tomorrow, and just help all of us as we go through that experience together of saying goodbye, at least for now, and that hopeful um, anticipation of a sweet reunion. We just thank you, Father, that you have given us something beyond, beyond life here that is based on the resurrection, and it is the means by which we can, we can get through all things. We're grateful, Father, for answering our prayers uh, regarding just things that we've been able to do in the recent past with gatherings, with things our church has been planning, the activities, uh, things that we hope are ways of uh, finding our kingdom identity once again and recognizing that in this moment, which is so unique, that we as a church have a role to play for the world around us. We're grateful for your calling upon our lives as a church together for the things that you're doing through the scriptures that we're attending to and the way that we can hear your voice as we do. We're grateful, Lord, for things that we can celebrate along the way that are just kind and friendly and hopeful reminders of your faithfulness and your presence with us in the process that we're going through. And Father, as we just lift up uh, the things that we are celebrating, we also want to lift up the things that we are anticipating. As our church goes through a Lent season together, we pray that the things that we're uh, absorbing from the Lord's Prayer and from Acts 2 and Ephesians 4 will just be embedded and established in our own lives. We pray, Father, that you would help us as we anticipate Easter, which is really the culmination of so much that began at Advent and through this season reminds us that there is one who was born and who died and who rose again that is King of Kings and Lord of Lords established on the throne. And that is you, Lord Jesus, and we gather to honor your name, to follow your path, to give us a sense of purpose in this life where chaos is just reigning around us. We pray for global events as all eyes are on the Ukraine right now and the people that are being uh, brutalized and who are experiencing all kinds of loss and deprivation. We pray that your mercy would be at work through your people in a way that relieves the burden and points to you in all of this. We thank you, Father, that you are sovereign, your sovereign oversight in all of these things gives us a sense that you are still in control. 
And we trust, Father, that in the wisdom that you give us through your word, that you'll show us how in each of our lives today as we hear your word, uh, we can bring application to it and it can find itself coming alive in us and through us. So we're going to lift those things up before your throne with grateful hearts in expectation and anticipation. And we also want to pray, Father, that you give us the heart and the mind and the desire to pray the Lord's Prayer in a new and fresh way as we think about what it means, how it defines our lives, and what it calls us to do. So with that in mind, church, would you, would you pray that prayer with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't it weird how whenever there's a time change, you sometimes feel like you've got jet lag or you feel disoriented? You feel like you're kind of out of sync? And I think the reason behind that is that the rhythm of the week is really something that our body tunes into. And if it's off by an hour, it's like we're a little bit out of sync. And it goes to show that we are creatures that need the structure of the week to define our existence. I mean, do you ever wake up in the morning where you're like, I can't even think until I get my cup of coffee? At least that's me anyway. And all I know is I, I just, I'm kind of in a trance on my way to the coffee machine. I get it going, and that's the first thing I do is I just make sure I've got a cup of coffee in my hand, and that's what begins to wake me up. But I'm not even awake whenever I do it. It's just automatic, and so much of our day is automatic. We have things that we do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We have routines, don't we? And those things help us to not have to think about a lot of things that happen in life so that we can think about other things. And that, by design, is what a routine does. And last week or last year, we went through Lent talking about habits and routines and the role that they play in the background of our lives, the structure that they give us. And when we think about our, our lives as we are born into this world and we start to live them out and we begin to ask questions like, where, where do I fit? Where does this fit? And I, you know, I, I wonder sometimes about my own upbringing and the things that happened early on and how they fit. You know, uh, my mother tells me this, I don't know because I don't remember, that whenever I was an infant, I couldn't drink breast milk or formula. I had to drink goat's milk. And um, as I was drinking goat's milk, I, I didn't realize it was changing me on the inside. I had to have speech therapy later on. And they didn't really tell me quite why I had to have speech therapy, but I, did, I figured out that somewhere along the way there's something wrong, and then I realized I've got goat in me. And, but I, I've learned to control it. I really have. And I wonder sometimes how those formative influences shape how we look at life and what the purpose is in them. Because a little bit later on, I also discovered that not only did I have a speech problem, I also had a learning problem. I couldn't, couldn't read. I wasn't up to speed with everybody else. And 
My mother, who gave me goat's milk, probably out of guilt, spent a lot of time uh, teaching me how to read at an age when other people were already moving on. And we spent a lot of time learning to read. But that was kind of my moment developmentally. And it was like, hey, I'm ready right now. And it stuck. Even though I was a little bit behind, I couldn't stop reading after that as a kid. Weekly readers would come out. I'd be buying, you know, five books from weekly readers. And I'm not really even a nerd. I'm not really somebody that you would call, you know, that I enjoy learning in that sense, at least school learning. But there was something about reading that she did that I'm like, I don't know what value this is going to have, but maybe someday. Kind of like, it, did you take typing in high school, anybody? Did you learn it? And did you think as you're learning it, I don't know why I need this. And then the computer, right? Say no more. I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I'm thinking, what is the value in that? How does that have any role whatsoever? And what I discovered later on was the school is basically a factory model that you have to have a certain linear mindset to follow with it. And if you have ADHD, your cognitive style is you're, you're looking at things in, in a more integrated way. It's labeled as a disease in some context. But what I discovered when I began operating under this structure was that's actually very helpful because I can see things from multiple angles. And it plays a helpful role in being a pastor because I think about things from your point of view, from an organizational point of view, from God's point of view, uh, from my own point of view. And I ask, how do these things all integrate together? And God said, that's why I gave you that kind of a mind. And it's weird, isn't it, how things that we look at in life as setbacks are actually things that God says when they are brought into the proper structure, they find their place. And one of the things that Jesus wanted to do was offer to his disciples a means by which they could carry with them the structure that would define their lives uh, from the point that he came into their world on to the end of their life here on earth. And essentially, the Lord's Prayer is just a portable way of saying, this is why Jesus came. All of the components in that prayer are really all that you need to do ministry and to do it in the right way. It's the, it's the basic structure that, by design, Jesus gave to his disciples to kind of ponder, oh, yeah, we saw you do this, and that's where that fits into the prayer. And we saw you do this, and that's where that fits in the prayer. And all of a sudden, you just see all of these dots start to connect. And as Jesus has passed that prayer on to them, the church latched on to it. And they began to practice it um, on, a, on a daily basis early on as they were trying to define themselves in a world that had chaos, that had wars, that had disease, and yet they were trying to stay rooted in their kingdom identity. You know, last week we asked the question, you know, what, what is prayer? And I wanted to carry the sermon from last week's message uh, into, into the remainder of what I didn't cover last time because there's just, you, you can talk endlessly about the Lord's Prayer. And I got to get... Uh, these uh, 
cheaters. Somebody stole them earlier, and I got them back. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Cheaters are stolen. There's something wrong with that, isn't it? But here they are. And I was um, asked, why are you wearing glasses? And I have contacts that are like summer ones that I'm outside, and they, they kind of see far away. And I have ones that are close up that see, like, stuff in the winter I read a lot. I wore those out, and all I got are the distance ones, so I can see you guys great. I can't see what's on my paper. Here we go. If you remember, prayer is a relationship with God. More than anything else, if you've ever wondered, what happens when I pray? Why do I pray? How do I pray? Why should I pray? And then there's something inside of us that says, my back is against the wall. I need to talk to somebody, and God would be a preferable person. And the scripture tells us that prayer is very relational as we read this right out of the gate because we pray our Father. And it's about knowing someone and then asking for something based on what that relationship needs. Because you're working together on why, in, in, in a very fundamental sense, why we do anything in life. Because this prayer actually is not just for church. It is for the remaining six and a half days of your life. It is how we stay connected to the Father in the course of everything that will make up the story of next week for each of us. And it includes asking the question, God, you and I have a relationship. And the more that we understand him, the more we discover that that relationship is actually more important than even that with our spouse, with our children, with anybody in our life that is a significant person in our mind. That relationship with the Father is the most important. And so when you pray, you're asking the question, Father, together, you and I, what do I need to pray for so this relationship can thrive? And like any relationship, if it's important, you've, you've agreed on why it is that you are friends, why you're married, why you're at church, why you have a covenant, why you work. And so you're thinking about things that are relative to our purposes together. And prayer is very much that. God has a purpose together with you and with me. And the way it's stated with us, this is a you all prayer. It is a us together prayer. It is our, it is our father prayer. And those are the relationships that God has in mind, us together, us with him. And he's saying, pray about things that that relationship needs so that it can be healthy. So hopefully you got that, because here's the other thing that I've learned about any kind of a relationship. As a life-giving relationship is based on consent and agreement. An unhealthy relationship is based on coercion. How can I make you do what I want to do? And if you've ever been in that kind of a relationship, you know that that is not really healthy instinctively, that the only thing I'm doing is whatever somebody else is telling me to do. God didn't make us like that. He made us 
for obedience to him. But then out of that vital primary connection, he called us to be agents at work in the world for his purposes. And my fear during COVID has always been, I hope our people don't fall under the spell of the media and they start thinking about what the media is telling them to do and how to think and how to fear and what to fear and what, what is good and what's not good. Because I don't think that space is altogether healthy right now. But I feel like there's so many people whose lives are directed by voices other than the direction of God that we have to reclaim that. And we do that by praying, Our Father who art in heaven. It's intimacy yet respect in a relationship where he is actually He's higher up on the food chain than we are. But as we go to him, that's a comfort, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, if I didn't have a heavenly father to pray to these past, let's say, two years, where would I go for a source beyond myself to try to find some level of security? of hope, of confidence that I can wake up each day without just paralyzing fear overwhelming me because all the voices that I used to have some degree of confidence are now pretty shaky. Where would we be without our Father? I think I'm more grateful than ever for him. Because he's shown his sovereign oversight in our lives, in First Christians' lives during this season. And I, I think the people that have started to establish themselves in the trust that they have in him, despite all the signals out there, have a level of peace that passes all understanding. Prayer is having a conversation with God talking, and listening. And so we frame or structure that conversation by what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. It's like the rhythm of the week. You've got seven days each day with a name. You've got this prayer with different facets that give language to some pretty big parts of how we live our lives. And so Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you've been going through the Lent devotional guide, which, um, which we have both, both uh, installments, the first two weeks and, and the next uh, three and four weeks out on the table, you know that the big uh, part of the first one is centered on the Lord's Prayer. And if you have questions about what it means in greater detail, that's what we've tried to do as you've gone through it with Lent. And so if you don't have one of these or you know somebody that needs one, they're free. They're, they're just our way of saying we want to equip you for the moment that we're in and for the road ahead. And this prayer really is our way of beginning that process. And as we start out with prayer, what we're doing in this prayer, it's the main idea if you have your message notes, same as last week. We not only pray the Lord's Prayer to God, 
but we are also asking God to fulfill it through our lives. Maybe you don't realize this, but when Jesus calls you and calls you into salvation, he's not just saying, I'm, I'm rescuing you from hell so that you can be in heaven forever. It's much, much more than that. I am rescuing you from those forces of chaos that have overwhelmed you so that I can adopt you into a family and like any family, help you find your purpose within that family. And everybody who sort of settles into a role and a responsibility begins to discover, oh yeah, it's not just you know, paid ministers or staff or elders that do ministry, it's, it's me. We all have a part to play in making this prayer become a reality. Because did you know the church kind of has three jobs if you could boil it down? The first one is to worship God together. The second one is to work for the kingdom into the world. Because the world is not kingdom territory by any stretch. And the second one is build up. Not tear down, but to build up one another. Because we need one another, don't we? Especially if you've gone through periods of isolation during COVID, you know just how much of your makeup actually has a social component. And we can't ignore that. No matter how much we like to be by ourselves, we are not healthy without other people. And as a church, God is hoping that we can be the healthiest place possible. But we have some work to do, and I think this prayer will help us. Because as we move into it today, I, I want you to recognize from what we've read so far that the Lord's Prayer is a complete summary of Jesus' entire ministry. And you heard me mention that out of the gate, that all the little pieces that you hear in the gospel as you, as you, as you read this prayer and as you say this prayer, you can find that they have a fit in this prayer. There's a connecting point with the actions of Jesus and the words of this prayer. And, and, and as we look at it a little bit further, we've talked about bringing the kingdom to bear on earth as it already is in heaven a little bit last week. And then today we look at a, a section of scripture in verse 11 where it says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you read in the Lent guide, you'll see how actually all those are tied together by that word and, and why that's important. But let's just explore for a minute what it means for the Lord to give us our daily bread. Because as you know, um, it is something that uh, I've come to realize as I've grown through my own sense of insecurity about being a provider for my family, about the challenges of life, about my own limitations, and about the demands that are all around me for more and more and more. And somewhere along the way, I realized, and I think it was when the, the economy fell apart in 2008, and I'm thinking, I have two kids getting ready to go into college. They say gas is going to be 10 bucks a gallon before you know it. I don't know how I'm going to get them there. 
And I know that if they're going to thrive, they're going to need a professional degree of some kind. And my thinking was, Lord, I have no idea how to connect these dots. And then I'm looking at the escalation of the cost of education. And I'm doing the math. Well, if I had one, maybe we could do it. If I had two, I could mortgage my house. If I had three, I'd have to start a goat farm. Those are some pretty stark realities. I was, I honestly, I was very stressed, super stressed. And God's like, you know, you've been, you've been doing this work for a long time. And you've been preaching a lot about leaning on God, depending on God, and trusting God. But clearly, you don't trust me. And I finally had to say, no, God, I don't. You know what God's response was in my spirit? Why not? Why not? And I, then I let it go. I let it go. I said, I can't do this. But I think you can get us through this. Kids went off to school, mostly paid for. Another one's thinking... What am I going to do with, uh, you know, online learning? So he's sort of in process. But overall, I don't know. I'm in a different place. Because there's something about the daily, daily provision of God, not just for daily bread, but for everything that we need to make it through life. Daily. And you know the early church actually, they, they encouraged their people when they went home, pray this prayer daily. Some people even said pray it three times a day, as was the Jewish custom. And I think if you do, not just praying it and then thinking about, okay, while I'm praying this, I need to go to the grocery store today. And you know you've done that, right? I've done that. I struggle with that. I have ADHD. I have an excuse. You don't. So there you go. But Jesus wanted us to pray this daily with the intention that the prayer brings to bear upon the prayer. So as we pray that, the Lord's Prayer gives us structure because it defines how it is that we should live our lives as we live them in relation to Christ and as we live them in relation to each other. Some of you, you guys are, are like me. Uh, you, were, you, were not, you didn't have the blessing of being born into the church. But somewhere along the way, you said, I need the Lord. I just know that life does not work without him. And he's been kind of working on me, nudging me, compelling me to open up to him. And it finally got to a point where my problem wasn't much of anything other than I was a third child. And my parents were like, we're just tired. And he has ADHD. And he's busy. We wish him well. So, so I, I got into a lot of different things. My parents, you know, they, they weren't totally like, uh, you know, just let him do. But they, they didn't offer a lot of structure, which is great when you're a kid, right? But when you get to be an adult in a structured world, it's a different story. 
And I figured out pretty quickly that I needed something that they couldn't offer. And the Lord said, I can, I can offer it. And that was structure. That was boundaries. That was new purposes, new responsibilities. That's a big part of why I was drawn to church. Not everybody's drawn for that reason, but for me, that was my need. And needs vary from person to person. And whatever that need is, I can assure you, Jesus is large enough to provide that in whatever form of daily bread that takes. The Lord gives us structure. And as we pray this prayer, I tune into that. That prayer is an important prayer to me. It's a non-negotiable. He says something interesting. And I just want to read this in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses or their sins against you or their debts, however you want to look at it, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, let's just look at that as we um, make that our primary focus this morning. Because there's so much in that prayer that we could just say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it all. I went out to eat with my wife the other day, and um, we had a gift card. And I'm like, I want this, and I want that, and I want that. Because I haven't, hadn't eaten all day. You know how it is. And it all looks so good. And to the benefit of my son, he got to eat the excess that my stomach couldn't handle. And I just want to do the whole Lord's Prayer all at once with you. But I, I think God is saying, let's look at this one. I've repeated it twice. You know, the funny thing is, if you've been reading through the Lent Guide, you'll notice that I kind of botched this one. Because, you know, last week I showed you this on the screen how I, I put hollowed instead of hallowed. Details are not my fine point, but I can see things as they, as they relate on a larger scale. The details are, my, are the devil for me. But then we explored that, didn't we? Hollowing out the Lord's name, you know, praying it and not really taking it seriously. Calling ourselves a Christian and not really projecting to other people that Jesus is alive in us because we're not working on that relationship. We're not consenting to him too much. But even as we try not to hollow out his name, but rather hallow it by honoring it, you read through what I printed on those pages, you know, our Father who art in heaven, thy will be done, on, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and, and all the rest. Anybody scratching their head right about now? You should be. Because something got left out. What got left out? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That, that was missing, wasn't it? <laughs> I saw you after church, by the way, looking that up just last Sunday. Um, I left forgiveness out, didn't I? What happens when a church leaves forgiveness out? Well, we know that in our time around communion, we ask the Lord for forgiveness, don't we? I do a lot of times. I'm like, Lord, you know, my heart wasn't what it should, should have been. 
help me to get it right with you. Forgive me. If you don't do that, by the way, during the Lord's Supper, come and see me afterwards, and I'll help you realize what that, not in a nice way, in a pastoral way, how to do that. That's very important. But you know what else is very important? And I discovered this post-COVID with a clarity I never had before. I didn't realize how narcissistic Christianity was prior to COVID. And by that, I mean a lot of our references were about me and God. And let's get people in here for their personal relationship with God. And a lot of people start going to church because it's really just about me and God. I'm with other people. Hi, how are you doing? Great to see you. But it's really about me and God. But as I read the scriptures, there's a whole lot of us and we and our language that doesn't fit that very well. So when we think about that, you know, we pray, my Father who art in heaven. Do we? Anybody ever pray it that way? Well, we're hollowing it out if we do. Because our Father looks at all of us together and says, I'm happy. I love you and you and you and you and you and you and you. But I really love us together. And there's nothing worse than trying to deal with a family as a pastor that's going through a funeral or something and everybody's at each other's throats. But I ran into that so much, I, I've come to expect it. But you know where we shouldn't expect it? Is in the church. But I have to tell you something, because I've had 35 years of narcissistic Christianity, me-centered Christianity, it's me and Jesus Christianity. I, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the game on the social side of it. I'm pretty good about asking God for forgiveness. I'm not so good about asking other people to forgive me. I'm not so good at reconciling with other people. I'm not so good at, when I'm offended, talking to another person. I'm actually a little afraid. Because if I try to reconcile, I know it's just going to probably get worse. But you know when I'm not afraid? Is when everybody in that relationship has an agreement about what that relationship is about then I feel like I can have that conversation. And I can try to own my part of it, because I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm playing a role in the fact that forgiveness isn't happening, and probably the other person as well. And the healthiest people who are in church, they worship God together, they serve for the kingdom together, and they build one another up together. That's the definition of a church. And I honestly think we have work to do when it comes to forgiveness. Because forgiveness's goal is to create reconciliation. That is what God is trying to do on the macro, is to reconcile heaven and earth again. The two becoming one again, like in the garden, if you're reading through the Lent devotional, we explore that, where heaven and earth are merged together 
where in the church, we are the representation of what was lost in that garden, where heaven and earth are coming together with Jesus in the center of that, reconciling us to God. And the language oftentimes is about, you know what? You're a sinner. God is angry at you and your sin. Jesus died a brutal death for you. And, you know, we're shaking over that privately, individually, a call personally to that. And there definitely is an element of that. But we leave it there. Oh, we got him saved. That's all that matters. Let's get more saved. Let's grow big. Let's be a big church with a lot of saved people who mostly don't want anything to do with each other. Now, is that, a, is that success? Is there something wrong with that? By God's measure, what would be a success? I, I, I wrestle with that. Because I have a lot of pressure on me to grow this thing big. But I have a lot of pressure from God that says, grow this thing well. And I can't do it alone. I really can't. I have to have elders that know how to forgive, that know how to give grace, that know how to love. And the same with the staff. And the same with any lay leader, so to speak. That we're all in agreement that we are here to build one another up. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why I've had a hard time asking people to come to church is because I've seen this happen time and time again. I invite them in, they get plugged into a class, and the class is nothing but a complaint fest about the things that are wrong with the church. And then pretty soon, I talk to that person in the hall, and they won't even look at me. And I don't even know why. Must have done something. And then later it comes out, yeah, this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And I'm like, yeah, I feel strongly motivated to create more of that, for sure. But I'll tell you what COVID has done. It said to the church, time out. And then you know what it said? I want you to think about how important people are because you're not going to be around them for a while. And when you are, I want you to look at what people are doing to one another when they're around each other. And you'll see that they're still tearing one another apart. And then I want you to ask the question, where is the one place, or should I say the one person, that you can bring into the equation where that doesn't happen? And I think we all know the answer to that question. It's Jesus. I love people that I would never love if he weren't part of that arrangement. If he wasn't that third party that said, hey, it's you and you and me. I'd honestly probably not even be married anymore if it wasn't for that third person that was the voice of authority to the other people involved, this is how you should do it. 
my friends, our world is just coming apart at the seams. People have lost their corn-fed minds. The economy is crazy. There are wars. There are no refuges out there anymore. And I think that's actually God's allowing it through his sovereign oversight. He's not causing it, but he's allowing evil to show itself for the bankrupt nature that it is. And then he's calling you and I to say, we got to come out of that. We got to come correct on so many levels of our lives. And here's what I appreciate about you guys. Many of you guys have owned the thing that brought, God has brought to the surface during this time. And you've asked God to help you deal with it so that you can be who you need to be. And some people have said, I just keep pushing it down. I keep pushing it down. But this is, this is a Kairos moment. You can keep pushing it down, but I have this sneaky suspicion that God's going to bring it right back up. Because you could turn to distraction and entertainment but I got to tell you, entertainment is just not even interesting anymore. You could turn to distraction with buying things, but hey, can't go anywhere because we don't have any gas. You can try to find, because a lot of people are saying, okay, because my wife told me this morning that uh, people are drinking more post-quarantine than they were prior, that that trend hasn't, has actually gone up. You know why? Because God's bringing it to the surface. And he's wanting you to name it, whatever that is, that thing that is getting in the way. And he's saying, and he's not being punitive here. He's being constructive. Because what he's saying is, Leonard needs a new mic. Um, thing. He's saying this, whatever it is that I'm bringing to the surface, the only reason I'm doing it is because there's something better for me. It's getting in the way. There's something better. Don't believe the lies. There is something better for you. And he's waking us up, bringing us back to forgiveness again. You know, I don't know that it was an accident that I overlooked forgiveness. I think it was actually a way of saying, hey, what's missing? What do we need to be doing better? Because I don't want anybody who's hurting out there to say, I want to come to your church, but they're not very nice. Or they're not very loving. Or they don't love each other. I want people to come to church, but when they see you, they see Jesus. I want people to come to church not because, hey, Leonard's there. I want people to come to church because Jesus is here in all of you. And I will tell you, if that's happening, that's a good day. That's a good day. Well, this prayer is very instrumental in providing a structure for us to pray so that that happens. And the key thing that Jesus is fully aware of is that forgiveness is fundamental to the whole thing. We know during Holy Week, which we're going to be observing, and I'm 
I'm excited to go through that drama with you in a fresh way. Jesus experienced betrayal. First the crowds, Judas, and then one by one, all of his, follow, all of his followers. And then the worst of all, his father turned his back on him because he couldn't look at him in that moment. And he just bore the brunt of all that is jacked up about the world, including your sin and mine, your betrayal and my betrayal. And he broke the curse. And he set it up so that we could love one another again. So that we could be safe under his care because he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. There's no president, premier, prime minister on the planet. As much as they are drunk in their power, none of them are allowed to do what they're allowed to do without God's sovereign oversight. And, you know, when they fall in the gutter, God may tell somebody, hey, you need to tell them about Jesus and pick them up. And that is from everybody from the top of the food chain to the very bottom, from you to me. We are a forgiven people. We should be glad. We are a people that are blessed to have a space that if we do it right, we can come here feeling better about ourselves every time we gather than worse. We can come here feeling encouraged in ways that we never thought possible. We can take our despair and we can exchange it every Sunday for joy because we are around people who are going through the exact same struggles we're going through. We can gather in his name and leave here not saying, help me to survive in the world, but help me to be bold with your presence when the opportunities present themselves because your spirit is now alive in me. There is something different about people who call themselves Christians that by design, they are supposed to be different. They are supposed to have something in them that's attractive. They're supposed to be representatives of the reclaimed image of God as Jesus is reflected in our lives. And God is saying to every church on the planet, you better get that right right now. Not because he's saying, or else, but or else they will perish without me. In the chaos that is the hellscape of their lives right now. They need you. People in your orbit need you. People in Salem need you. People in the Ukraine need you. And the de demographers who study the sociology of the church are predicting that one in three churches in five years will be closed. And I think that will be God's way of saying Likely those are the churches that forgot about me. They, 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 in appearance, but the soul of the church was not rooted and grounded and established in the soul of Christ. I could be wrong, but I don't want this church to be a statistic, but rather a space where we can say alongside other churches, 
despite our pastor's shortcomings, we've got game because we've got Jesus. Amen? Okay. I got to look at what I've left out. Real quickly, the Lord's Prayer, um, when we read that last part of it, the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's forgiveness is offered. I think that's what that verse means. We got a sermon we could do on, well, if God won't forgive me if I forgive others, then how am I forgiven during communion because I'm not forgiving people? No, I think it's this. You just harden your heart to the notion of forgiveness in such a way that you don't even know how to claim it. And I think that's what the language is saying. So that's a sidebar. But the bottom line is the Lord's Prayer is communal. We are called to pray it together, collaborating with one another and with God to bring his kingdom purposes into everyday life on earth. And then the Lord's Prayer reminds me that I am not the center of my story. I'm not. As hard as it is to believe, God is. By design, our story is meant to be connected to other people's stories under the care and guidance of our Father. That's how I see it after 35 years of doing church work. I could tell you that in my sleep without looking at the notes. I looked at the notes because I don't remember how it was word for word. But I believe that through and through. And I believe the most liberating place to be is when we surrender our lives and everything that we're attached to, to him. And he replaces it with everything that we need and more. God wants to bless you that way. And I just try to use a lot of words to carry the freight of what, where his heart at, is at with you and I. And I hope the outcome of this is his spirit is working in you and calling you to a greater place in this moment. Calling us together into a greater place in this moment. And maybe we need to forgive somebody in the church. We need to ask them to forgive us. We need to reconcile. We need to get our house together so that we can be who we need to be for the people out there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray, Father, that you would give us the mind of Christ for the moment that Christ has placed us in. That all of the things that we looked at in our own lives as limitations telling us, I can't, are perhaps the necessary ingredients that you have placed in the mix of our lives so that when we see them through this prayer, we see they have a purpose. And Father, I know you are a master at working the bad things that we go through in life together for good and then to be used purposely for redeeming others who maybe are experiencing the same thing. So, Father, don't waste our pain. Don't let us waste our pain, but rather transform it into something good that can be used for your kingdom. And, Father, I pray for everyone here that I know there are some in here that 
things have been churning to the surface. Give them the grace and mercy that they need as they, as they in fear and overwhelming risk come to you with it. And replace whatever that thing is with the right thing. Father, I pray for our church in this season that we would be healthy. So in the year that's unfolding, there would be more people who are able to see you through us and to be called out of the chaos and darkness into a space where your light and your love prevail. Lord, help us to pray the Lord's Prayer with the right intentionality. As we close by praying it together, would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. started his sermon out today he talked about uh, goat's milk well that really doesn't have much to do with anything other than it brought to my mind one of the catchphrases that's used today quite a bit uh, it's called the goat greatest of all time now is it uh, Tom Brady or Joe Montana is it LeBron or is it Michael Jordan but there really is only one goat only one that's the greatest of all time that's why we come together as communion each week is to remember him because he truly was the greatest of all time because he gave his life for us not even knowing us gave his life for all of us so that we could have eternal life with him and that's why we come to communion with him each week and at this time i'm going to ask a blessing upon this this meal that we partake together and as as i pray prepare your hearts Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us all together. We thank you for uh, Leonard's message today, and we thank you that uh, you truly were the greatest of all time, and we ask your blessings upon this cup and this loaf, and that we could always remember the sacrifice that you made for us. In your son's name, amen.
something he provided to us for us to do that very thing and be reestablished and establish our hearts again in him. Um, so as we sing this, it's called The Joy to Be, which we sing again because that position is someplace where we long to stay and miss it when we're gone. We don't feel it when we leave it, but we come back to it when we remember the Lord. All the joy to me, the joy to know it's when I decrease, you fill up my soul, what a joy to see, the joy to hold it's when you embrace, I want nothing
Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift it is to belong to you. Thank you for a pastor who exhorts us on to repentance and shows us the better way to best learn. May these things grow in him and in the leadership and in us, and may they ripple out from this place, and uh, may people finally see the only answer that there is for everything embodied in the new Lord Jesus. May you do that work in us, bring about the reconciliation that we've heard about today, and may it be the reconciliation that we know, knowing our God and being known by you. Grant us the, more than the sensation, but the absolute assurance of being known by you. And where we don't know that, show us and lead us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit as it is with us always. Lead us into that place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray for your wonderful name and your wonderful son. Amen. You want to? So I think Rachel's got something to say. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Yokely. Hi, everybody. What a great service this morning. Amen. Reconcile, 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 because we got work to do, right? We got stuff to do here. So we've had a lot of questions and a lot of phone calls this week wanting to know about events that are coming up, times, what we do, how we can invite. So we decided to do announcements maybe every other time so you guys can know what's upcoming. Also, in the studio, I'm going to be every day, every Sunday after church for questions and for sign-ups from now on. Okay, so if you got a question after service, just step over there and we'll answer it. Um, the one thing that's coming up is our senior prom. Who's excited about that? Who's got their prom dresses out? Okay, this is about us saying thank you to our seniors and also saying we need some fellowship, right? So we need to bring our friends and our family, whoever would be interested in coming, and it's a time of fellowship um, with them. It's going to be March the 26th from 4 to 6 p.m. The deadline, though, to sign up is March 20th. So make sure we know who wants to come and at least your meal if you want pork or chicken. Um, we also have sign-ups in the studio for that, too. I moved them over. Dresses. Um, we have our brother Jason trying to get some conservative prom dresses from the high school for us to donate. We say conservative because, you know, we don't want We're not 18 anymore, guys, right? Okay. So he's working on that, so if we can get that done, um, they're going to be over here in their parlor next week, so you're more than welcome to come over, grab one, try them on over here, see what fits, and you're more than welcome to wear those if you want, okay? So I'll know more about that next Sunday to let you know for sure if we have it. i got to put on my glasses here. The theme this year, I say this year because we're going to do it every year, right? The theme this year is red carpet. So think about that, movies, red carpet time. The activities for the night is our DJ, of course. We're going to be doing a photo booth, and we're also going to be nominating a king and a queen. Okay? So it's a wonderful dinner. We're looking for servers for that. If you're not planning on coming and you're younger and that's really not your scene, we're looking for servers and cleanup. So meet me in the studio if you guys can volunteer some time that evening to help us with that. The next thing that's coming up is, I'm only going to do a couple things at a time each Sunday. Community banquet. Who knows anything about that? Ah, oh, I got some new information. You ready? We're going to be doing a community banquet based on Luke 14, 12. 
the parable of the great banquet, right? So we're going to be holding this in April the 24th from 4 to 6 here in the Fellowship Hall. It's going to mimic the Thanksgiving hit that we did. So it's going to be free for the community. Our outreach program is going to be handing out all kinds of invitations through the month. We're also looking for donations for food, servers, food prep, and cleanup that day. So it's going to be a big day, big Sunday. I think it'll be awesome to be able to do what the Lord wants us to do, right? He wants us now to step out and do exactly what he said in the great parable. Um, we're still needing volunteers for the kids. We have a bunch of God's children down here that need some help. So we're still looking for some volunteers for that. So if you find that in your heart to be able to do that, meet me in the studio. We'll sign you up and we'll get you on. It's only an hour a month, so we're not asking for a bunch of time. But we have some kids down there that just really need help. And, and Matthew's doing such a great job, and he just needs some help trying to get everybody in place. Um, we're still meeting with um, the outreach program this tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So if you're interested in that, we are starting to go out to police stations and fire stations and praying with them. So if that's something that you're looking to do, I recommend you to go in. They have great, great ideas for the outreach program, and I think everybody would find a place there. Um, if you have any questions, again, I'll be in the studio, and I'll see you over there. And I'll see you guys in your prom dresses in a couple weeks, right? Okay, I love you all.